Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. I'm Leslie Arfin, and this is my show, Filling the Void, a show where I get to know my friends better by talking to them about the things that bring them pure joy, also known as their hobbies. One reason why I wanted to do this podcast was so I can live out my dreams of being a happy Harry Hardon from Pump Up the Volume, and also the Eat Me, Beat Me lady, but... This is going to be our last episode of Filling the Void. I mean, you know what? Never say never. But at the same time, all things must pass. So as of right now, this is our last episode. And it's been great. And it's been the best thing ever. I love talking into a microphone. I love talking to people about what they love. It is the best. I, I just love doing this podcast so much. And, and I... I'm so fascinated still by what people love to do when they can do whatever they want. This episode is my friend Tim Hall. And it sounds like, oh my God, wow, that's not exciting. It's not like uh, Michael Showalter or Madonna. But I couldn't get Madonna. She's hanging out with Showalter. (laughs) No, let's just delete that. Alex, I'm sorry. Tim is so fucking funny, dude. He's so awesome. He's my best friend from college. He transferred after our freshman year. We were two peas in a motherfucking patio. And the way he speaks about foreign languages is so fascinating. And like, I don't personally don't speak any foreign languages, you know, except for maybe a little Yiddish here and there. I could spout out some Yiddish right now, but I hope that you like this episode, and I hope that you like this podcast. Bye, Paul. Bye. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that. It's my husband. He's closing the door. I love you. Tim and I went to Hampshire College together. Tim left after our first year. I stayed for four, but like, but you and I were as thick as the. Oh, there. Beyond, and, I mean, and, beyond, beyond, beyond. I think as tighter with you than maybe anybody else in my life, in a way that's like was very, very specific 
to you be taught you. me you taught me what BFFAE meant. <laughs> I only knew what BFF was, but you were the one who taught me what the AE was at the end of that. <laughs> well, I'm I'm so honored to have taught you that. You we taught each other a lot going down memory lane. <laughs> well, we really do go back a really a really long way. That was I, like before JFK Jr. died. It was? It was like almost like right after Princess Di died. I mean, Princess it was like, a real, yeah, it was a real like inflection point in the world. And there we were freshman year of college. I want to talk to you about your hobbies. When you were, when we, you and I were texting and you started telling me about foreign languages, I was like, okay, we're doing this. So remind me though, I don't want to pull up my texts. I mean, I can, but let's see. You go. LOL. I have so many hobbies. I could be on 70 billion podcasts. I once impulsively bought a sailboat knowing nothing of sailing and became quite a good little sailor until the boat sank in a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said, we could do sailing. And you said, I don't really sail anymore since the boat sank. And then I, then you said, but I'd say my biggest, most obsessive hobby of the past two years has been Italian language music, movies, and culture. I have even gone as far as to take private pronunciation lessons to lose my American accent. Oh, you go, it truly is a hobby because it has zero practical practical use in my daily life, but I treat it as if it's the most essential thing. I know that you have been obsessed with Italian for a very long time. Like what, this is years. One of the great things about having I think left Hampshire is it put me at NYU and had I never gone to NYU I would never have gone probably to Florence because when I was 19 I did a summer abroad in Florence with NYU and I was floored first of all (laughs) I need to just tell like a, a mystical story because the summer like oh, two weeks before I went to Italy for the first time, I had a dream about being on a bus and arriving at this enormous villa and getting out and I could smell it and see it and feel it. And I thought, well, that's an interesting dream, seeing that I'm going to Italy. And then when I was there that first day, that dream was real. It, it, it became manifest. And I was on that oh. bus. I was looking at that villa. I was smelling the sense of it and the feeling of it. And I thought, wow, this is a really powerful psychic experience. That is so crazy. So it's like you really had a calling, like maybe you were very Italian multiple times in past. I definitely think so because I've had, I've had recurring dreams for most of my life that take place in the streets of Florence and different eras. I've had dreams that take place in the streets of Florence, like in the Middle Ages, in the late Renaissance, in the 19th century, and, and even more contempor- contemporaneously. So wow. I do feel like I've I've had past life experiences there. Absolutely. That's so amazing. And you know, what just came to my mind is that I know your parents were, and maybe still are, professors of African studies, and they were obsessed with Africa. My father, yes. My father was a professor at at NYU of African history. My mother 
was a batik artist um, right. of sort of African patterns and design. That was her sort of thing when she was younger. But yeah, my so, parents were, or I mean, they're still alive, but my father's now retired after 50 years at NYU um, teaching, studying Africa. Would you, know? you say that they were obsessed with Africa and like that's what got them to like make it part of their careers? I definitely think so. I mean, my dad went to Africa as a very young man and came back to college and said that he told his advisor he wanted to study African history. And the advisor told him, well, Africa has no history. There's nothing Ugh. to study there. And so my my dad is like a white man from the suburbs was like indignant about that and was like, well, I'm going to be a part of, you know, helping to understand the history of Africa. And my father dedicated his entire life to uh, studying African cities and towns, African political structures. Uh Um, You know, and I think he really, he was a a large part of of the sort of modern understanding of, of African history, really post-colonial and earlier. Which is incredible. And so I wonder if that, Not that, you know, like, I wonder if part of that also like runs in your family, not necessarily just with Italy, but like, here's an idea that I want to do and I'm going to do it. Well, I I love the title of this podcast, Filling the Void, because I feel like I've always pursued hobbies as a way of, as a way of being, you know, ergo, like a way of just filling my life up with, Mm -hmm. with pursuits. You know, I... I'm I'm really fascinated with all different kinds of things one can pursue. I mean, I experienced what's called Stendhal syndrome in Florence, which is a a physical overpowering of the senses because the art is so beautiful and you're so overwhelmed by the art that you actually faint. And I fainted. (gasps) I fainted on the steps of the Uffizi Gallery because I was so overwhelmed and overcome by the entire experience oh tim that is so that's amazing the cool thing about nyu gallatin it like hampshire you create your own study course of study so the minute i got back from italy that summer i went to my advisor and i said how can i now become like an italian language and like art major and so I, so I figured out how I could spend like every, every other semester at NYU in Florence and do most of my undergraduate studies in Florence, either going to the University of Florence or going to a art and photo school that was in Florence or taking courses at NYU in Florence. And so I kept going back. Like I, I did, I really wasn't in New York all that much for, for most of my, college because I was just like at NYU in Florence. Wow. And so before you went, did you speak fluent Italian? Not even one word. And Stop. I, and because I had always thought that I was terrible at languages and this is yeah, something a Me point too. I wanted to make on this podcast and why I wanted to have it be about languages is I studied French and Spanish in like middle school and high school and I was like bottom of the barrel. I was like yeah. the worst. I like could barely even pass like the regents exam and like, you know, these languages. 
And I just thought I was terrible at languages until had incentive and a need and a desire to learn it. Mm-hmm. And then I started to become like an autodidact. So I was teaching myself Italian at first, like after that summer. And then I finally started taking like classes in it at the University of Florence. I was taking like Italian as a second language kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was so passionate and and sort of becoming obsessed with the language, I realized that I was able to learn it and absorb it like really well. Right. Um, and then I was like, oh, maybe I am good at languages, but it take it takes like a crucible right. to actually, you know, like like if you're just thrown into a country and you have to speak that language, that's a crucible, you know, or if you are desperate to speak that language to communicate and be a part of the culture, that's a crucible. So mm-hmm. you need that, mm-hmm. you need that kind of like frictional element to make you really want to do it and then you can do it what stops a lot of people from speaking languages is they feel self-conscious and embarrassed Mm -hmm. and if you and that's why often when people like drink a little more they sort of become better at that language because Mm -hmm. their inhibitions are lower Mm -hmm. but it's all about fear and inhibitions and so if you can just speak try to speak that language without giving a flying f about Mm -hmm. making mistakes then you will start to be able to you find the words that you're looking for right and and do it without fear and and you have to let go of, of feeling like you're a fool or you have to let go of your perfectionist side which is really hard because i feel like i am a perfectionist and and i do sometimes feel embarrassed about speaking because even though i have a high level of fluency i still know i'm not like native speaker type mm-hmm. And I still feel like a little embarrassed sometimes, but I just have to be like, shut up and do it. Yeah. I mean, embarrassment also is like, it's a very juvenile thing that like we experienced for so many years, I think growing up, but at a certain age, you just kind of age out. I think you have to age out consciously though, you know, like like sort of feel like, okay, I'm going to choose to not feel embarrassed about this, like make like a conscious choice. But yeah, but, but I agree with putting that. aside like fear is so important because I, I knew that the only way to really start getting good at that language was to live with the host family in Florence. Mm. And I didn't want to like, I, yeah, like that my, scares like, me. Yeah. Like my like insecurity was like, I don't want to live with like a strange family, like under their thumb or whatever. But I knew that, that was sort of a main route to really speaking a language. So I signed up to live with a host family that didn't speak English that spoke with a heavy Florentine accent. So I, you know, so I was able to like pick up a Florentine accent and really like hear what that sounds like and Uh get an idea for like real Italian cooking and, and real Florentine culture and it was really hard. I'm so proud of you for doing that. You must have been so scared. Did you like the family? Truth. <laughs> I mean, I did. They were they owned a horse stable for like horse jumping, like with a steeplechase kind of thing. Okay. Um, outside the city of Florence. And so every day they would like go to their like horse stable and like raise these like jumping horses. <laughs> 
And I got to go a couple of times and sort of see the Tuscan countryside that way. So those are experiences that other NYU students who are living like in the coddled dormitory and like only speaking English and mm-hmm. you know they didn't get to have that kind of experience. Did they um, find you charming? And like, did you guys have interesting conversations? Oh yeah. We definitely had very interesting conversations. I learned a lot of colloquial Florentine expressions. Um, I definitely picked up like a Florentine accent to my Italian through mm-hmm. that. And and then, and then after that, like I love, I still love being in Italy so much that NYU had a like a work study program where you could be like a RA there and mm-hmm. get paid to and get like free housing and get like a like an extended visa. So then I started to work for NYU as like an RA um, there while I was a student. And then when I graduated, I was like, I can't leave Italy. And so they gave me this position that was like an RA slash TA, where I would accompany the the classes to Rome and to museums with the professors. And I would also troubleshoot like visa problems or medical problems, take students to the hospital, take Mm. students to the embassy. And I did that for then another year. So all told that throughout like college, I ended up spending like maybe like almost four years in it. And and you were painting and and doing art as well? I was mostly doing photography at the time because I Mm -hmm. studied at a photo school in Florence. Um, But I started painting my last year in Florence. And and that was when I really was like, oh, I want to be a painter. Maybe I need to move back to New York and pursue a graduate degree in painting. And that was sort of when I said goodbye to living in Italy and moved to New York City and got my MFA from the Parsons School of Design. And and I always like kept up in Italy stuff, but the internet wasn't even as advanced then. And so mm-hmm. it was really hard to you couldn't really access Italian movies or TV or or newspapers or or people through the internet even at that point. You know, I went back to Italy a few times. I I did an exhibition in Milan with an artist-run gallery. And I, I, you know, sort of like keep up with my Italian and keep up with the people, but it wasn't my top priority at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did go to Dublin on a whim one weekend. I had like a free plane ticket. And I was like, I'm going to Dublin. I need to see the home of Sinead O'Connor and, (laughs) you know, experience that. And there I became obsessed with Irish and I came back. To, <laughs> Wait, I, came back. I fully get that. I'm obsessed <laughs> with Irish. I really am. I'm well, so Scottish. I came back to New York and I went to the Irish Cultural Institute. And for a year, I took like the Irish language every week. Wait, so and like, what is that? It's the, tr- it's Gaelic? like the traditional. Yeah. It's like we, we would call it Gaelic, but the Air- Irish actually call it like Guelga or Irish. Mm. Um, that seems don't very like, hard. They don't like the word Ga- it's very hard. It's a very ancient language. Remember me? It really kicked my ass. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we had a friend named Which, Maeve, but she spelled right. it. M E D B, and we we always called her Mead, but but because we couldn't get over it because we were like ignorant kids, you know. We were like, <laughs> yeah, 
she we were just like why does she spell her name that way it's insane like she's very sweet and that's the correct way to spell it exactly and so through Sinead like I sort of became interested in like Irish politics and like Mm -hmm. Irish culture and even though I'm like one percent Irish or something I I felt this strong bond to like the culture and the language. Well, and then I was like, okay, what I really want to study is French because I had studied French in in middle school and always loved it. And so I started taking classes in Brooklyn at um, like a little French language school mm-hmm. there called Cuckoo French. And I studied <laughs> French there for a year before I started one-on-one with like a an instructor to just do like conversation and that was really when my French went from being like sort of basic into like high intermediate was when I was actually meeting with a French woman every week and we would have like coffee for an hour and we would speak in French and she would write down corrections and that sounds really sweet did you like her I loved her and she was really cool. So I did that for like three years to the point where I went from speaking like super basic tourist French to being able to have like pretty upper level um, conversational French. Um, Then the pandemic happened Mm -hmm. and my husband started working for an Italian fabric company called Fortuni And he was having to, and my husband does not speak any Italian, but he was having to deal a lot with Italians and deal a lot with the Italian language. And I started to help him. And that all of a sudden rekindled like a lot of this like love Mm. for the language. And I found this website called italki, where (laughs) it connects you with, with language native language speakers that you can have conversations with for like a really nominal fee. Mm-hmm. And so I started to like have these like constant like conversations with these Italians over, you know, this website and learning so much. And then I realized, Oh, Netflix has all these Italian movies and TV shows on there. So I started mm-hmm. to watch all the Italian stuff on Netflix. And then I realized Spotify has all the Italian music Mm -hmm. on it. So, so all of a sudden I realized that this more modern internet now has all this international, easily accessible stuff on it. And that really opened the floodgates. And for the past like two years now, I've only watched Italian TV. I only listen to Italian music. (laughs) I, I'm like an expert on like the Italian indie music scene. I I got I've gotten to know all these musicians. I've gotten to know it, more Italian artists and it's just been like it's enhanced my my language from being like probably low fluent to like very high fluent. Wow. Um, Wait, when's the last time you were in Italy? Like a month and a half ago. Where'd you go? I got a grant from uh, Lehman College, which is where I teach, that's part of the City University of New York. And our union has mm-hmm. a research grant accessible to certain adjuncts. And I got to go to Rome and Naples for a week 
to do special research for my art practice. And but while I was there, I like also met with some musician friends of mine that I've made cool. through there. I got to see a concert. Um, I only I went to like the movies in Italian. I was watching TV at night because I went alone. And so I was able to just like fully immerse, fully nerd out. What's like your favorite Italian band right now? Well, I have two. Like my favorite Italian singer is named Bartolini. And he's like a sort of Brit pop inspired uh, singer, singer songwriter. And my other sort of favorite thing is this sort of collective called Through Collected. And they're out of Naples, out of Napoli. And they're like really young, experimental, artsy musicians that are sort of mixing like a weird like pop with like trap and it's sort of experimental and mm-hmm. has like a 90s feel also kind of inspired a little bit like by Britpop. All very different stuff than what I think you hear in America right mm. now. What's your favorite place in Italy? Florence is sort of like, it's like a very accessible city. You can easily wrap your head around and, and get to know. Whereas like Rome and Naples to me are very exciting and gritty. Uh, whereas Florence is still sort of patrician. It's it's very buttoned up in a way, um, more traditional, not so progressive. Um, and Milan is sort of like a New York thing, which to me is too familiar, not all that interesting. Right. So what foreign language do you think that you could possibly get obsessed with? Well, I recently did six months of ancient Greek. I was just going to say, I can see you getting into... Well, I use a lot of Greek imagery and language in my artwork. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a deep interest in in ancient Greek language and texts. And I've always read them in translation, but I decided I wanted to really get a deeper handle on the language. So I took one-on-one ancient Greek lessons last year for six months. Enough to feel comfortable with like reading certain texts and understanding the structure of the language. What about Latin? I was I was interested in Latin since like childhood, and I've yeah. often studied Latin just on my own sort of like private way. But really, I would say Italian comes to the to the cream. It's like the cream on the top, like yeah. it's risen, and that's my like deepest mm. love. And all the other languages are just I just I'm just a communicator i think i like to know mm-hmm. how people are thinking in other languages i like to know what they're singing about what they're writing about what they're thinking and feeling and and really getting idea of a language is the best way to do that is there a hobby that you know in your heart you would want to do it but you know that you probably won't do it or at least it's not on the horizon Sailing for me was a really big challenge. I learned how to sail from like from basically just buying a sailboat <laughs> sight unseen and teaching Wait, what myself. Where did you find a sailboat like that you <sighs> to buy? I found it from people who were who who had a restaurant on a sailboat. Do you, in New York City, there was like an oyster bar and a sailboat, yeah. uh-huh. and I knew the guys who owned that, and they like dealt in like weird sailboats. And, <laughs> and, and was it expensive? No, it was seven hundred dollars. What? But it was a classic, like sixties um, Cape Dory Typhoon sailboat. It was gorgeous. You took ballet, right? I did take ballet. I had a little ballet hobby period, uh-huh. and that's where I fell in love with Balanchine, who I just made that T-shirt. Yeah, about. I love it. Um, 
because I also now make t-shirts. <laughs> like I did, that's something I didn't, <laughs> that's something I didn't think I was going to do, but I, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I have all these obsessions, right? All these t-shirts are all of my obsessions. I don't make t-shirts about stuff. Right. I'm not like deeply obsessed with. And it's been re- amazing to sort of turn these obsessions of mine, like Morrissey, Sinead O'Connor, Robert Smith, like Carson McCullers, Oscar Wilde, Chinua Chebe, Tracy Chapman, Yoko Ono. Like I've made t-shirts of all these people that I, who've, I've had like deep obsessions with and am able to like celebrate them. What's your like quintessential like Italian outfit? I would say a pair of Adidas gazelles with a sort of flowing linen pant <laughs> with a thick blue and white striped t-shirt. Okay. And a and, beret. And oh, no, maybe like okay. no, maybe like a like a baseball cap like Logan Roy would wear. Okay. With a black, with a black like simple baseball cap. Like a rich casual Exactly. Like I'm rich, but I'm casual and I'm not ostentatious. I'm big into gardening. You know, I have a big like farmhouse near where Danielle Henderson lives. And, and I have two acres of full garden, like full out gardens. Yeah. And I, I spend probably my other free time just gardening and building gardens. Garden, what I've seen, they're beautiful. That doesn't surprise me. But like what would surprise me is if you got into like mechanics. Which I could also well, see. I have a I have a tractor and an old Jeep, and I sort of do tinker on them a little bit. I I wish yeah. more so. I wish I could like take apart an engine and put it. I just like change the oil and change like you know gaskets and that kind of thing. Well, I remember there. I had one day when I was living in New York City, where I knew how to take the subway without looking at a map, and I had been doing that for some time. But it, this one day, it just dawned on me i was like i'm a new yorker i always felt like i lived in new york but i didn't feel like i was a new yorker did you ever have that feeling in florence like more recently i found that to have hour-long conversations completely in italian that i'm able to fully express my ideas and my personality through and that was when i realized wow I feel really comfortable and fluent in this language because I'm able to actually express my personality. Mm. And do you think that your Italian personality is differently translated? That's a really good question, actually. I did have a friend of mine who is from Tuscany, and she kept laughing at like how Tuscan I seemed and how Tuscan I acted. And I didn't even know that I was doing that. Right. (laughs) And so I think I'm a little bit more fearless in Italian, actually. Right. Mm. I, I, because I have to use a lot of fearlessness to use the language, I feel more fearless in the language. And maybe I take more risks or say more ridiculous things. And like, do you have any really like funny or, you know, just weird stories from any of your travels like did you ever like get chased by a gypsy even though we're not supposed to probably call them gypsies i have definitely been chased by gypsies because (laughs) i i've always been fascinated with the romany people Mm -hmm. and i i mean i'll call them the romany people which is slightly more politically correct but i'll also call them gypsies which is politically incorrect because i just think that's actually a great name yeah i just love it (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um definitely in rome actually when i was first there 
there, I was um, sort of assaulted on a train by a group of what would be considered gypsies. And they sort of jostled me up and were grabbing my bag. And I had to run through like the subway through different cars to get away from this like band of like wild children. Oh. And I remember thinking that was sort of terrifying, but also kind of amazing. I felt like I was in like, you know, Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure get- there's more story. They didn't get anything. Um, but I would like to sort of end on a note that's very hopeful about languages is that I do believe like modern age now, it's so much easier to learn these foreign languages through like Duolingo or italki or through, you know, Netflix shows or Spotify or whatever. You just have to dive in Mm -hmm. and make a commitment and just throw like caution to the wind and you can do it. Like you can like learn and speak and like really get a language through new through the technologies that are available to us today in a way you never could have before unless you lived there so can you tell a knock knock joke in italian (laughs) (laughs) or i actually don't think i know i don't think i know a knock knock joke in italian or um Mm. say something see allora che cosa potrei dire Sono lieto di parlare con te, questa chiacchierata è è una cosa bellissima, mi dà tanto piacere, Eh, spero che possiamo rifare una chiacchierata più tardi, sarebbe bello. What did you say? (laughs) I said that um, I really enjoyed this conversation and it's really a pleasure and I hope that we can talk further about different stuff in the future well you sounded quite ah, très bien, très bien. quite Merci um <laughs> pirouette if you liked our show please subscribe rate review and tell a friend Filling the Void is a production of the Erios Network. Episodes are produced, engineered, and edited by Alex Paul. Original song by Michael Cassidy. Powered by ACAST. Erios. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.